0: hey teachers of littles out there yeah you we see you tired of pinning facebook grouping and hoping you struck idea gold are you at your wits end and need a safe space to feed you and get the support you need both in and out of the classroom then this podcast is for you Join Renee Pena Lopez, an early childhood learning specialist who is in the fray with you. Get ready to have an honest and real conversation around early childhood and the challenges of play for littles, while learning to connect the dots through guided play strategies. Get ready to sit back and listen in on today's conversation. The magic of littles starts now.
1: Hi, Teachers of self, Littles. I am excited. Excited, excited, excited. So I'm A Peña-Lopez. If you don't know me, um, you can check out The Magic of Littles. I am an early childhood and learning specialist. I know I always change my term, but I'm the same person. Um, so today on the podcast, I have Casey O'Brien-Martin here with me. I'm going to probably say this part wrong, but bear with me. She's an LHMC, wheat and registered nurse, right, is the author of Skills for Big Feelings, a guide for teaching kids relaxation, regulation, and coping skills. She's a passionate individual who aspires to bring out the best in each person she works with. She's a master of arts and expressive art therapy, what, what to the arts? Yeah, <laughs> and mental health counseling from Leslie University. She's a licensed license, school adjustment counselor, a registered expression therapist at uh, sorry, uh, licensed mental health counselor and a registered nurse. Yeah, it was fake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all about the acronyms. right? We, we just had an episode on that. Um, and so I'm so excited to have her here. She you can find her at the whole child counseling. I'm going to get this wrong because my brain is like doing the dyslexic thing. So can you help me out, Casey? Whole... <laughs>
0: you like.
1: yes thank you I had acronyms in my head to so <laughs> think like a special ed teacher so much sometimes how are you doing
0: I'm great thank you so much I'm excited
1: to be here I'm so excited to have you um so my first question is just wow like my my first real okay that was a statement let's be real but um what does school adjustment counselor like when I saw your bio and when like we've been chatting back and forth yeah, Instagram and email, um, I that immediately went like, what's that? Like and just, does everyone know what that is? And like, how can everyone have one? Even though I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> well, I'm in Massachusetts, so it's kind of a unique license, I think, in Massachusetts. Um, we have the, it's what my school district calls me. It's what I'm licensed through the state, but basically like I help kids with their social emotional learning. Um, so I work full time mm-hmm. in a school. It's, you know, sometimes I just call myself a school counselor because it's just like a little bit easier, mm-hmm. you know, school adjustment counselor is kind of wordy, but technically like that's what my license is. through. The
1: yeah. That's so interesting. Like states all have their own jam going on, right? Like when I say um, I've done see it work and people are like, what? See it? Like and I'm like, so that's about education it's energy. Like you go through the whole thing, like like you said, like it's it's a mouthful. Um, but in certain states, like one person reached out to me was like, how can I be that in California? And I looked it up and I've asked other people and they're like, that isn't a job in California. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like it yeah. just hit me how differently each um, state approaches the needs of their um, communities. And totally, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I would love. A school adjustment counselor. Um when I was little, like I'm just I'm just thinking about um what age group do you do that for, by the way? I,
0: I've worked with all levels, K okay. to 12, but currently I'm in an elementary school, so I'm K to five.
1: Yeah. Kind of. Right? Like all those big feelings bubble up. I mean, everyone just thinks just toddlers and like big feelings, but they bubble up all, all ages, you know. And I was just I was just thinking about that for um my little, she has in her um school that she goes to, um, they typically have like a school site on um on staff and because of COVID, yes, during this pandemic. Uh unfortunately she hasn't been able to go in with the kids. Um, but that big feelings program, um, unfortunately she's missing out on um as much. You know, she might be able to do like the last 12 weeks, but you know, like it's, it makes a big difference. I feel like, um, and then parents get the tools they need. So I commend you for doing, for doing that work. I really, really do. Um, so that brings me to my second question, which is like, you know, I'm sure you get like a lot of questions about, so like, so we're going to probably use as um, EL everyone, which is means social emotional learning. So if you're hearing the acronym, yes, know the acronym, um, then, uh, don't, don't, um, fret because we have told you what it means. And, um, if you can't keep any head, it's okay. You know, this is where education has a lot of, a lot of acronyms and, um, we're happy to like, if you go to the, um, Facebook group happen to answer any questions at the magical little club, um, we can interact there, but, um, going back to my question. So what's the most like the number one question you get about SEL work?
0: I think it would be like, why SEL? Because I think, you know, for the past few years, there's all, you know, state testing and everyone's very focused on like academics, academics. But like all this research has really shown that like, you know, we need to focus on kids' social, emotional functioning and kids that are successful, you know they have those social emotional skills and they're just they're super those like soft skills are really really important and i love working in the elementary school because i love working with kids early on um to teach them these life skills so the big question is usually why and if people are interested in the research castle which is the um there like the center for social emotional learning They have done a couple meta analysis that really like will um, blow your mind away about like, you know, it looks at like $1 in SEL equals like $11, like just all the reasons why they've
1: $11 in like real life, like later down the line and the salary pay. Yeah, that makes That makes a difference. And um, especially nowadays when we talk about anti-racial work, like let's let's reveal that the trauma of COVID has done on black and brown communities, um, right? Like you can think how much that's going to really impact their social emotional learning. And therefore in the future, you're going to be like, oh, I didn't make a lowest salary. Well, they were busy dealing with like unfortunate death of someone close to them, right? Or being sick themselves. And so on and so forth and that impacts on later um you know not to make this a super like political conversation but just the idea of like it it's such a powerful tool like if your mental health is afraid then you really can't achieve those high academics that you can't achieve that high executive functioning um, on your website you have an amazing quote from frederick douglas um it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men, and like that hit home for me. Where I was like, "Yes, that is a thousand percent true." And if people are questioning why, we um, should also then just be questioning like, <clears throat> why we so concerned about academics when, when you know the the like souls of people are just like feeling broken and no child to feel that no child to ever feel that I'm like tearing up as I'm saying that like no child to ever feel that I mean life is life um in that sense but um we can't protect children from like things like that but we can give them the tools to deal with it and so that's why I'm having you on like I just oh I got chills as well like saying that but um but yeah I I'm just a little shocked that people are asking why, like, I'm just like, Oh, when I
0: first started, there was kind of like pushback. And I I kept saying like, social, emotional learning is learning, you know, because people are like, Oh, but we have to do this math block. We have to do this. I'm like, no, this is so important. But now that I've been doing this work for years, they get it and they love it and it's flourishing. And I just feel really blessed because like, you know, you said you wish you had that when you were younger. I did too. That's why I do this work. Like I'm being the person I needed when I was mm. younger, right? Like yeah,
1: same here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And um, and on that note, you know, I think I mean we kind of covered it, but um, it makes me think about like the myth of um these topics are too big. And I talk about a little bit in about an episode where I talk about like using play um for big topics but see so the myth um oh those <laughs> they hit my like solo practice anyway um, <laughs> if you're listening to that that purpose was not here it was supposed to be like a quiet one <laughs> it did not happen joys of podcasting um anyway so yeah the myth of like social emotional learning and middles like what have you found to be um combative other than the why
0: um myths about social emotional learning Uh, that's a good question and I I mean the the biggest thing really is always that like people that I found to be true is that like people don't want to put in that time for it because they don't feel it's important or they think like a kid doesn't have, oh, they're just a bad kid or something like that. Like, I don't believe in bad kids. I believe in, you know, kids who don't have certain skills for whatever reason. And I really think kids need to be taught these skills, relaxation skills, regulation skills, like we're not just born innately knowing this stuff. So, you know, I think sometimes kids get labeled like, oh, they're just difficult, they're attention seeking, whatever. Like, I don't believe in that either. I believe kids are like connection seeking. Like I there's so many yes. things, so many myths, I think. Like yeah. um
1: so. connection seeking, like dive more into that. Cause I remember I um I used to say this all the time to to like teachers I worked with was that um they're not giving you a hard time, they're going through a hard time. And yes, so um I sometimes I have to remind myself that like as a parent um you know because you're just like exhausted from and teaching does the same right so um but yeah connection seeking like let's put that in our memory brains just like take a second and like ingest that in everyone okay go
0: (laughs) so it's just like you know Ross Green writes about kids do well if they can and like a lot of kids are lagging in certain areas. And that's what I really, I really believe in like looking at kids with like a problem solving approach. So I wanted to figure out like, I believe kids do the best they can. But I had a lot of kids who are struggling with like behaviors or acting out or whatever. So I that's why I wrote, I developed skills for big feelings. And I wrote the book because I wanted to provide those skills in like a fun developmentally appropriate way for kids to learn them and be able to practice them and use them like with their teachers with their families and all that kind of thing so I think that you know the myth is that like there's bad kids or sometimes I hear like oh kids can't learn these things they're too little like no they're really they're not too little (laughs) you know like I don't I've taught kids things you know who are really young they can learn basic calming techniques like deep breathing and things like that you know yeah okay
1: okay so with, with that said I you know you made me think of a book um called you're gonna love this kid have you read that book it's you no. know it's um by Paula Keith And she has that same, well, not same premise, but, like, it's, like, about inclusion and including children with autism. Um, And it's, like, a lot of first accounts. And I feel like um, oftentimes people might not have the experience to, like, have those first accounts. So it's always nice to have those, like, ties. Um, And so she, I'm just, like, looking at the note that I had about it. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a geeky nerd. I'm proud of it. Um, but like she talks about like school routines and activities and like how to reapproach that and like like you were saying, like in 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 the sense of your problem solving opposed to saying, oh, this child's really like challenging these behaviors because they want to, right? They want to be defiant. And so it's about building those foundational skills and social emotional learning is one of them. Um you know, everyone always like, oh, early academics, but you, like, we know you cannot, um if you have all these barriers in a way, like, I think of it that way, like, if you literally have, like, this barrier, like, every time you have to sit, sit still at a story time, for example, right, and sit there and sit through something, and your body's dysregulated from, like, the lights on the ceiling, and, like, the the visual behind the teacher, and you're, like, classmate next to you is just being you know themselves and like just moving around and like chatting and you're distracted by all those things and you're like your body's getting overreacted or underreacting you're like oh I'm gonna hide in a corner or I'm gonna like I gotta flee you know fight or flee um there's no way you were able to page attention during that story <laughs> and right. then recall right that's a big ask to recall after that what even happened in that story. Um, so yeah, I agree with you in, in that sense. Um, and so like the foundations are also like school routines and like working those executive function skills at home. Um, we just started um personally at home of like, okay, you get up, you know, you say good morning and then you know you can either get dressed. And then brush your teeth and then we'll like talk about our day and have breakfast. We always had something like that, but now it's like even more challenging with a pandemic because like you're in school or you're out of school, this breaks. So we've been trying to keep that consistent. And so a tip um, for teachers to provide for, um, for parents is like as much consistency that you can provide in any routine. Like it doesn't have to be massive. Like the one I described is just, a short morning routine, like maybe it's like 20 minutes, if if even, um, or a half hour typically for us, um, depending on um, how long it takes pumpkin to get up. (laughs) But, you know, if, if if for you like nighttime works, then, you know, implement it in nighttime. But I think um, those foundations are really important to, to start. Um, You would, I was going through um, your website, by the way, great resource. So like, everyone just plugging that away I, I'm also a great resource um but um I also love sharing great resources I'm a, I'm a resource geek and
0: thank you I was just <laughs> I was thinking what you were saying structures and routines are so important and they do help kids thrive so much yeah. especially if kids like during this time right now with yeah. the pandemic I On my website, there's a visual schedule. I don't know if you saw that, but it's free. Didn't, yeah. It's in my library. I drew all the images because I did it at the beginning of the pandemic for my mm-hmm. own son. And yeah. I just thought, oh, I'll share this with people. So it's a visual right. schedule that people can customize for their kids at home. Yeah.
1: Um, and just so to give people background about a visual schedule, <clears throat> if you need help, maybe I'll make that uh, Instagram thing. thingamajigga using your resource um, on how to use a visual schedule because both sides of it is important to have it and to know how to use it. Um, so I can add that if you're on actually not Instagram, um, my Facebook group, because I'm more active there. I, I am on Instagram, everyone. We all know this, but, um, just in terms of resources, like they tend to live longer in the Facebook group than my Instagram. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, so yeah, when I was, thinking about like even routines, like regular routines, I came across your site when you talked about like, mindful zoom and I was like, cause I'm teaching remotely this year. Um, and you know, screen time can be feel like, Oh, this, you know, like another screen to like stare at for a long time. Um, and I know if, if I'm feeling zoom fatigue, the kids will be feeling zoom fatigue. Um, <clears throat> So can you like walk me through that process? Like what, how does that translate? Like meditations translates in a zoom format.
0: Yeah. So I was actually, when everything happened last spring and we had to go remote, I was, I had been doing. Uh, guided relaxation or meditation with kids in schools since like 2007. So I've been doing it for a long time. But on the computer, I was like a little nervous. I was like, Oh, man, how's this gonna go and with little tiny kids, right. Um, But actually, it's been pretty great. So in my book, um, I, I wrote the guided relaxation scripts as being trauma informed. So like I use a lot of invitational language because I never I always want it to be a choice for the kids. I think that's really important. We have a lot of kids who have been traumatized too, right? So like giving it they have the power and the choice. So it might be like, you know, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. If not, you can do this like giving them those options. But so how I've been doing it on Zoom is um I, and I do this in real life too, is starting with a self scan. So instead of like, I feel like we're always telling kids what to do, like, you know, sit upright. like, stop touching that. Don't do this. Don't do that. We're always giving those directions to kids. But what I started to do is teaching kids how to do a self scan. So literally teaching them how they look at their bodies and figuring out like is my body doing what it's doing and this helps develop self-awareness skills which is like a social emotional learning competency but also then they self-correct so they have the self-awareness and then they're correcting and then they're not getting upset with you the adult for telling them what to do too right so it's kind of it's kind of brilliant actually um and I learned That uh, I was inspired by Jessica Minahan's work on that she she uses a different term I think she says body check or something, but I call it a self scan so I always have them start with a self scan and I use that too, like during the day for transitions and stuff, I have them make sure they're, they're on mute and they stay on mute. Um, And then I give them a choice. Like, if you want to shut off your video, you can you don't have to have it on. I thought a lot of kids would be self conscious about, um, like meditating on zoom and closing their eyes with the camera on. And I, I was shocked that like most of the kids don't turn their cameras off, like probably like maybe one in a class, I actually had a fifth grade teacher tell me, she has a lot of kids who aren't super engaged. And she said, during your mindful moments are the only times like certain kids will turn their mm. camera on. And I was like, Oh, wow. Like that's so interesting, know. you know? So.
1: Um, I wonder it, if that's because they feel seen and heard and safe ooh, in that yeah. moment. Um, because one of the things, one of the groups I'm with started doing like quiet, like quiet work time. And so the children have the choice to they don't have to interact you know, and um, I play some music, and when they and, like when they want to interact, they can, and I feel the shift in that. So yeah, I think with this remote learning, it's so easy to be like, I gotta, I gotta engage, I gotta like have something to say or be super present, and um, it just like you would do if you notice in your physical classroom that they need, you know, need to like zone out. And just like have calm moments. I think it's important to also implement that in your remote learning. Anyway, so keep walking us through that.
0: So, and actually for me, it's just really beautiful and calming too. I'm going to be honest. Like I get just a lot of benefit from like just being quiet and still and noticing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, it's for the kids, but it's yeah. it's also really regulating for me. So um, yeah, and then I just, I used to, I used to read the scripts, but I actually had a voice artist record the mindful moments. So I actually just press play on them um and i listen follow along with the kids and then usually we do a feelings check afterwards and i'm really modeling that like all feelings are okay you know like any feeling is okay there's nothing you don't have to feel a certain way after this and um uh, my kids have been doing it you know they've been doing it since they started kindergarten with me there so they're kind of used to the mm-hmm the drill of it but like if it was the first time someone was doing something like that I would tell them like you know you might feel a little weird or uncomfortable that's okay that's you know expected the goal is to make you feel relaxed but like it's different for everybody and some it people it's not a good fit you know it's not right. like a one size fits all for every kid but it is really um a great approach for many kids and adults
1: yeah yeah I definitely feel like the calm after quiet moments. Um, and it's important to remember those things, right? So I just want to, um, I am I want to honor everyone's time, um, both the listeners and ourselves. Um, and we're not going to get to everything, everyone. So this might be a good time to also let you know that we might do a part two. Casey, if you're up to it, I would love a part two. Um, of course. And I would invite you to come into the Facebook group, the Magical Little Club, and any thoughts and tips that you have done from this episode, you can share. Um, and of course, if you're on Instagram um, at the Magical Littles, is where you can find me. Casey, what is your handle again?
0: Old um, child counts.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna say that again just because um, my internet was unstable. Um, so that was whole child counseling, everyone, just in case, um, that buzzed out, um, during editing. Um, Casey, thank you so much. Um, what is the best way we can follow up and learn more about you?
0: Um, my website, wholechildcounseling.com. I do have a free resource library there, so you can get like that visual schedule and there's a bunch of other stuff in there. I don't no, um, and I'm on, I'm on all the places like Instagram, Facebook, cool. I'm whole child counseling everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much.
1: No, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it.
0: Hey there, this is Renee just popping
1: in and at the end of this um, podcast episode, just to give a little bit of a reminder that you can continue the conversation with other amazing teacher littles just like yourself. who are lifelong learners And we continue the conversation at the Magic of Littles Club and Facebook group where we share lots of value, lots of ideas about um, playful solutions and intervention. Okay, that's where we rethink intervention. Catch you there. Bye.